Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Byron Howell, and this is the Byron Howell Ministries podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, some fascinating spiritual topics. Definitely um, one of the, you know, I don't, I, I hesitate to use the word revelation, but, but definitely one of the understandings that, that I've seen in the word that has been taught to me by others. But now that I've got more of a handle on it, I'm, I'm as excited about this as I am about pretty much anything else. I mean, this is, this is one of the most fascinating subjects that, that I've ever studied or thought about. And, uh, it's gonna, is as wide ranging effects. It's gonna lead us into our topic next week, which is, which is also gonna be very, very interesting. I encourage you to listen next week. And, and I think this is really gonna bless you. And we're going to be talking about faith today. We're going to be talking about it primarily in the context of healing. But what we're going to be talking about is the kind of on-demand nature of God's blessings. This absolutely runs uh, counterintuitive to much of what we've been taught, much of what the church world teaches. Uh, this this definitely may run crosswise with your your brain and how you've been taught and how you've been thinking about receiving from God, but but this is fascinating. We're going to look at some fascinating truths today. This will definitely encourage your faith. This will definitely strengthen your faith practice. And I honestly believe this could just take your you know your Christian walk to a whole new another level when we understand this. And so. Again, we're talking today about the on-demand nature of God's blessings. And, and again, this can be a very broad subject, but we'll try to make it as simple as possible as we always do here. And I just pray that this blesses you. So to start, I want to just briefly go to how the Lord brought this understanding back to my mind. This is a teaching uh, that I've heard before from other people, especially Andrew Womack, you know, kind of basically what we're going to talk about today. He really focused on it in the context of healing. That's why we're going to start there. I think it's understood very well there. Uh, but, but you know, I think, you know, personally, you know, understanding that it in fact applies to everything that God has given us, all of God's promises. Well, I think that's a profound evolution in the understanding of this subject. Uh, I glorify God. And so anyway, you know, so last week, if you heard that recording, if you didn't, I I definitely encourage you to um, talk a lot about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, a lot about your personal prayer language, saw a lot of awesome things in the Word of God. Uh, But I spoke at Grace Family Church's Prayer and Healing School. And in the beginning, I talked about the woman with the issue of blood and how she was healed. And you can find that story in Matthew 9, Mark 5, and Luke 8. And to me personally, this is the most important healing miracle in the Bible. That doesn't mean it is the most important. You may look at others as more important, but to me, it's the most important, the most fascinating. And so remember that that there was a woman who had this issue of blood 12 years. She was none the better, yet grew worse. She spent all her money. But when she touched the hem of Jesus' garment, she was healed. And after she touched his garment, Jesus asked the disciples who touched him and they responded, you know, Jesus, what are you talking about? We're in the middle of a crowd here. There are people touching you on every side. You know, how? what do you mean? Who touched you? But see, Jesus knew that someone had touched him differently. And 
he knew that healing power had gone out from body his body into that person. In fact, Jesus said in Luke eight forty six, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. You see, this miracle teaches us that God's healing power is available on demand. The woman never asked Jesus to heal her. We don't see any time of prayer. There was no discussion with Jesus prior to the healing. There was no voluntary act of Jesus' will. Jesus didn't make any decisions regarding this miracle. The woman simply knew, somehow, we don't really know, but somehow this woman knew where to find healing power. She created a plan to touch that healing power. Her plan worked and she was healed. Praise the Lord. You see, God's healing power is available on demand. And the principles we see in this miracle are applicable to anyone seeking healing from God today. And in fact, the principles we see in this miracle actually apply to all of God's promises uh, big picture. And so we're going to, we're going to start with healing and then we're going to move on to this principles applicability to the others. I mean, you see, God does not make individual decisions about who gets healed and who doesn't. You just, you need to get that into your mental framework. I'm going to say it again. God does not make individual decisions about who gets healed and who doesn't. Many people believe that, but it's not true. People believe that because we apparently see some people get healed and some people not, that we attribute that to God's sovereign will. We think that because only some are healed, God is the one who decided who to, who to heal. But you might say to me, well, isn't, it, isn't that obvious, right? If, if God wanted them healed, they would be healed. But unfortunately, that's wrong. Imagine that you had five children and all five of your children had cancer. I mean, I know that would be terrible, but just imagine for a second. Now consider how many children God has right now that have cancer. It, it could be millions, right? Now, if they were your kids, how many of those five children would you want heal, healed? Well, how many of God's children do you think he wants healed? Are you better than God? Do you love your children more than God? Of course not. God wants all his children healed. The very idea that God wants some healed and not others healed is a complete, it's blasphemy. It's a complete affront to God and his love and his character. But anyway, you know, I'm digressing a little bit. So let's go on because we want to illustrate some points here. Now, let's assume for a second that, that forget the analysis with your children. Let's assume you were really sick, right? You and four other people, there's five of you, and you're all very sick with some dread disease and you all just have all the exact same medical factors. Let's just assume that you and four other people have an identical medical situation. But you all go to the same doctor and he knows exactly what to do. He literally has the perfect treatment plan to heal you. If four of you follow that treatment plan and one doesn't, that person will not be healed by the doctor's care. Now, I know that sounds obvious, but I think we need to go ahead and establish some, some basics. If that doctor knows the correct treatment plan and you don't follow it, 
you won't get healed through that doctor's care. And it doesn't matter how bad the doctor wants you healed. It doesn't matter how much that doctor may love you. That doctor could do all sorts of things for you, but if you won't follow the treatment plan, the doctor's care will not heal you. Now look, maybe your body will heal itself, maybe you'll do something else and get healed, but if you don't follow the doctor's treatment plan, that's not how you're gonna get healed. And similarly, God has a treatment plan. Now, that's a loaded statement, right? God has a treatment plan. That in and of itself does not compute with a lot of what we're taught. We're basically taught that, uh, you know, God will miraculously heal some people and not miraculously heal others according to his sovereign will. I know not everybody believes that, but I think when you get right down to it, I mean, it's actually kind of a common belief, you know, if you really drill down to analyze what a lot of people believe. But anyway, I want to try to briefly establish common ground between you and I that God, in fact, does have a treatment plan. Now, so let's go back to, you know, the idea you're sick, right? If you're sick and you want God to be healed, excuse me, and you want God to heal you, will you be healed if you do absolutely nothing? Right? What if you never pray? What if you never ask God to heal you? What if you never ask anyone else to pray for you? What if you never involve God in the slightest in your medical situation? Is God going to heal you? Well, you might say to me, well, hey, maybe, you know, God might sovereignly choose to heal me. But you see, that thought, as nice as it might be, and hey, it'd be awesome if God operated that way, that thought that God would just sovereignly intervene and heal you despite any prayer, despite the lack of any prayer, any involvement of God in any way, that would be unbiblical. Again, maybe your body might heal itself. That happens. Maybe you might go to a doctor and your doctor's treatment plan might work perfectly, but that wouldn't have anything to do with God. If you don't involve God in any way in your medical situation, God's healing power will not be operational in your body. And that's just the way it is. And again, you know, James chapter one teaches us that you're not going to receive anything from God without faith. James also teaches us that we have not because we ask not. There are other verses that we could use. But this point is very important and very clear. God has a treatment plan. If you do not involve God in your situation, and if no one else involves God in your situation, then God's not going to get involved. He was not just involve himself in your personal medical situation unless you involve him or someone else involves him on your behalf. So let's uh, keep going and say, okay, all right, all right, Byron, I, I agree. I agree at a, at a minimum to get God involved. There must be some deliberate involvement of God in my situation. That he's not just going to randomly go out there and, and heal people. There must be at least one single prayer for me by myself or by some other. So so perhaps you do pray that God would heal you. Right? Now many people do that and they're still not healed. That's a terrible thing, but it's true. Now why not? You see, it's because many people who pray that God would heal them are not following God's treatment plan. 
You see, God's treatment plan, biblically speaking, involves a few things. Most importantly, it involves faith, but it also can involve laying hands on the sick and involve taking authority over sickness and disease and casting out unclean spirits of sickness, for example. You know, depending on the situation, God's treatment plan may look different. But it's still his treatment plan. And if you don't follow the biblical treatment plan for divine healing, you won't get healed. Now, some people might say that God can heal them however he wants. But that's not biblical thinking, right? You see, God is sovereign, all right? You see, people really go crazy about God's sovereign will. And they say that in God's sovereign will, he can do whatever he wants. And in fact, he is constantly choosing at random to do whatever he wants. And it's kind of his unknowable will. That is not a biblically accurate view. You see, God is sovereign. But what God wants to do in his sovereign will is what the Bible says he wants to do. People think that in God's sovereignty, he may do a bunch of stuff that is out of line with the Bible's teachings, but that thinking is wrong. In God's sovereign will, God caused the Bible to be written, and a major reason for the creation of the Bible so that God could teach us about himself and his sovereign will. Now, if you know me at all, you know, you know, I, I mean, obviously God is sovereign in the sense that he is independent, that no one can control him. Uh, but, but he's not sovereign in the people, most people, in the way most people use that phrase or that, that logic in the sense that he just does whatever he wants all the time and we can't figure it out. That's not true. You see, God's sovereign will aligns perfectly with the Bible's teachings and with the what the Bible teaches us about God. In the area of healing, it is God's sovereign will that if you follow the Bible's treatment plan, you will be healed. If you do not follow the Bible's treatment plan, God still loves you. God still wants you healed, but he will not be involved in your situation. In the same way, if you don't follow the doctor's treatment plan, the doctor's care will not heal you. If you do not follow the Bible's treatment plan, no matter how much God loves you, no matter how much God wants you healed, God will not be involved in your medical situation. And that is God's sovereign will. And that sounds harsh, but that's just the way it is. God's sovereign will is, in fact, a license for God to do whatever he wants. But the Bible teaches us what he wants and how he wants to operate. Any doctrine that suggests God uses his sovereign will to do whatever he wants at any time, apart from what the Bible teaches us about God, is false doctrine. For example, the ministry of Jesus and the disciples clearly shows us that God, who calls himself in Exodus 15, Jehovah Rapha, or the God who heals, the Bible teaches us that he wants everyone healed. That's what we see in the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of the disciples. Everyone who came to them for healing was healed. For us to look at a sick Christian and say that God in his sovereign will has chosen not to heal that person, that would be a false teaching and a heresy 
against the God who heals. If you want to go crazy about God's sovereign will and God's sovereignty, that's okay. Just make sure you understand those concepts and confine them to what we know about God from his word. And I, I feel maybe someone out there thinking to themselves, well, okay, it said Timothy had oft infirmities and there was another one of Paul's friends whose name escaped me that, that experienced some sickness. Look, hey, Sickness and disease is rampant in this fallen world. That is an absolute tragedy. And it's rampant uh, for the random people out there right now because it just it's everywhere. COVID's everywhere. You know, there's all sorts of different sicknesses and diseases that can attack people for all sorts of different reasons. But there are also unclean spirits that attack Christians to try to hinder the gospel, to try to hinder the ministry of God. And so just because we see a couple of people in the Bible that experienced attacks or experienced sickness does not mean that Jehovah Rapha, their father, their loving father, didn't want them healed. It doesn't mean that the healing power of God wasn't available for them to be healed. It just means that for some reason, either they were sick or they were getting attacked and they weren't tapping into the power of God to receive that healing. It's not a it's not a harsh criticism of them, but it's just the truth. You can't look at some situation that flies in the face of everything we know about the ministry of Jesus, everything we know about the healing power of God and the ministry of the disciples, everything we know about Jehovah Rapha, and then say, oh, oh, I guess Jehovah Rapha doesn't want him healed, or I guess sometimes Jehovah Rapha likes it when people are sick. No, that's that's a wrong understanding of the Bible. But look, you know, again, when we think about what God wants to do, and what God is going to do, we need to understand those through the Bible. We need to understand what the Bible says about God and then use that to form our understanding of his will. And look, I'm going to be honest with you. I think that's kind of a great revelation that I've never heard anybody say because there's a, there can be a big argument about, you know, how do we know what God wants to do? And then on the other side, people say, oh, God is sovereign. And he just does whatever he wants, right? Those can be kind of two competing camps, two competing schools of thought. But the reconciliation is, yes, okay, you're right. God is sovereign. God can do whatever he wants, but he wants to do what the Bible says he's going to do. He wants to operate the way the Bible says he's going to operate. That's the reconciliation there. So look, back to the woman with the issue of blood. Remember, we've gone through, we've said that God's healing power is available on demand We've also said that the Bible has a treatment plan, and if you want to tap into the healing power of God, you need to follow the Bible's treatment plan. So now let's go back to the woman with the issue of blood. This woman somehow discovered a a, a reasonable treatment plan in the eyes of God. She used it and she was healed. See, God's healing power is available on demand when it is sought according to God's treatment plan. Similarly, God's healing power is available to you and it's available to everyone else if you will see God's if you will seek God's healing power according to God's treatment plan. You know, and just to give you some examples, James 5:15, the Bible says that the prayer of faith, a faith prayer, will heal the sick. 
Now, it's not just any old God, please heal thus and such. That's not a faith prayer. God, I'd love to see you heal whosoever. That's not really a faith prayer. By Jesus' stripes, you were healed. Be healed in Jesus' name. I rebuke that spirit of sickness off your body in Jesus' name. You know, that those are faith prayers. That's the prayer of faith. That's the prayer of faith that will heal the sick. All right. And there can be others. I'm not just trying to confine it to that, but I want to give you an example. It's the prayer of faith that will heal the sick. James 5.15. So an appropriate biblical treatment plan for sickness and disease is the prayer of faith. The Bible also says that Christians can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. That's Mark 16.18. The Bible says that we can cast out demons of sickness with our words spoken in the name of Jesus. We also get that from Mark 16.17, and we see that discussed a little bit in Luke chapter 10. We see it used. And we see several times Jesus cast out unclean spirits of sickness, and then that person is healed, right? So those are also biblical treatment plans. Anybody who's in the healing ministry at all knows that when a a person approaches you with a medical issue, it may be an injury, you know, uh, maybe they, I don't know, who knows, dropped a hammer on their toe, whatever. It wasn't God, wasn't an unclean spirit, just happened. It was an accident, it's the world. Uh, so maybe it's just a simple injury. Maybe they were in the airport or whatever and they caught COVID-19. You know, they got some sickness. They got some disease. They got food poisoning because it's out there, right? Maybe it's a medical issue or maybe it's an unclean spirit that truly has attacked that person with sickness. And, and as a healing minister, we need to discern what's going on. And the only way we can really discern that, I mean, we can hear the people's story, but we you know we really need to be tuned into the Spirit of God to discern that. And then we deal with it a certain way. It's no different in my life, right? If I hurt myself or if I'm experiencing sickness or disease, then I need to get with God. I need to spend some time in prayer. Is this just an injury? Is this just some sort of virus that might be going through? Or have I been attacked with an unclean spirit? And then I need to go and I need to use the appropriate biblical treatment plan coupled with faith and then I'll be healed. Or, or, uh, and I'll receive the manifestation of that healing in my body. The healing power of God is available on demand. There are fundamentally two components to receiving the healing power of God. And I want to briefly mention this. You use God's treatment plan and faith. It's the treatment plan coupled with faith. The prayer of faith, laying hands on the sick for them to recover with faith, uh, casting out a demon in faith. Now, we've talked about faith at length here, so we won't cover it all again. But, But let me just show you how the appropriate treatment plan coupled with faith produces healing. Remember, the woman with the issue of blood decided that if she touched Jesus's garment, she would be healed. It worked. And Jesus said, and I quote, her faith had made her whole. The woman had faith that if she touched Jesus garment, she would be healed. She was fully persuaded. She was completely convinced. Excuse me, I said a quote a minute ago. I was really paraphrasing, but that's what Jesus said. Her faith had made her whole. She was fully persuaded. She was completely convinced that it would work. She risked much, possibly even her life, to press through the crowd because she was so convinced. She was so perfectly in faith. 
And, and fundamentally, she had faith in this treatment plan and her faith produced. Now, let me give you my example. I heard Kenneth Hagin talk about this, uh, this particular miracle. I would say it was 15 years ago, maybe 16 years ago. Okay. And, um, so when I was a child, somehow I hurt my back. And I had to uh, go for months to a chiropractor because my pelvis, my hips, something was offline. I, I had tremendous back pain. This is when I was in eighth grade. And, uh, you know, praise God. I know my parents prayed for me, but I did. I went to a chiropractor for months and it, it, it went away. In law school, so now in my early 20s, uh, I began experiencing this back pain again, probably because I was sitting all day. So I heard this teaching and I decided that I was going to apply the same logic. I didn't uh, know every aspect of how healing, certainly not like I do today. I didn't know, I don't know every aspect. I'm not saying I know every aspect, but I didn't understand healing like I do today. But I got a teaching, all right? I got a teaching that this woman used her faith to touch the hem of Jesus' garment and she would be healed. I grabbed a hold of that teaching by faith. And then I went to a Rodney Howard Brown meeting. Now, to be honest, I don't remember what he talked about that night. I don't really remember a whole lot about that night. But, but at least back then, he, he would, you know, pray for everybody, lay hands on everybody. And I built my faith up. I, I, I honestly, I just did what Brother Hagen said to do. And I built my faith up. And in Jesus name, when the man of God lays hands on me, my back will be healed. And I said it because actually in the Greek, some people teach that the woman said and kept on saying that if I may be able to touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. So that's what I did. And I started saying, in Jesus' name, when the man of God lays hands on me, I will be healed. And I said it, and I said it, and I got my faith built up. And then I went up there, I got in the prayer line, boom, he laid his hands on me. And you know what I felt? Absolutely nothing. I didn't feel anything. Didn't feel a single thing. But, it, and this may have been more common 15 years ago, but I went ahead and I did the courtesy drop. Now, if you don't know what a courtesy drop is, uh, that's kind of like when the minister is laying hands on you. And, uh, you know, sometimes you may fall out truly under the power of God. That's happened to me one time in my life. Let's not get into that further. But so this time I did the courtesy drop where you just kind of go down. But, but I'm not really a courtesy drop kind of guy. That probably wouldn't shock you. But I have a really funny story about not doing a courtesy drop one time that I'll have to tell you. But anyway, uh, but this time, the reason I did the courtesy drop this time was because I was so in faith that I had a treatment plan and I was in faith for this treatment plan that when he laid hands on me, I believed I received. And so I went ahead and did the drop. I just laid on the ground to sit there and receive the working of God's power in my body because I really had my faith built up. So I did. I laid there for a few minutes and I'm just being honest with you here. I laid there for a few minutes, felt nothing, right? But they don't really bother you at that church. You can lay there all night. At least back then you could. So I laid there for a few minutes and didn't, it felt nothing. Then all of a sudden, I mean, the best way I can describe it is like a jackhammer in my belly. Not painful, but that's what it felt like out of nowhere. I mean, this was weird. This was spiritual. You know, this something was happening to me and I wasn't, you know, the man I am today. So, I mean, this caught me off guard. But anyway, that's what it felt like. Now, the spirit, your spirit man dwells in your belly. Something had triggered my spirit. 
And then all of a sudden, I, I, the best way I can describe it is my back just started heaving. I was like heaving. Uh, who knows? Maybe it's a demon coming out. I don't know. But, but I, I was jerking on the floor uncontrolled. And, and really, if you had been watching this, it wouldn't have really looked that insane, right? You couldn't really see a lot. But anyway, that is what was happening. And in that instant, my back was totally and completely healed. Absolutely. 100% pain-free for a decade. Not a single pill, not a single doctor's office visit, 100% pain-free for a decade. And the only reason I ever started experiencing back pain again, and now I actually do have kind of a stretching regimen, partly because God told me you can't sit in a chair eight hours every day, that's dumb. He told me that. I don't do a great job of listening. But the real reason I hurt my back again is because I started doing CrossFit and doing stupid stuff. And I know if any of you out there have been in CrossFit for any period of time, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I did some some stupid sit-up thing, you know, like 100 sit-ups or something like that, and I pulled my hip out of place. Anyway, not fun. Praise the Lord. I'm, I'm doing a ton better now. But anyway, my point is I used this teaching – and I declare, when the man of God lays hands on me, I will be healed. Why? Because his healing power is available on demand to anyone who will approach Jesus in faith according to one of God's treatment plans. And I used it and I was totally and completely miraculously healed for a decade. And it's not God's fault that, that I experienced back pain afterwards. It wasn't a demon. It was me being dumb at the gym. Anyway, let's go on. Consider the centurion in Matthew chapter 8. He asked Jesus, speak a word only and my servant shall be healed. Jesus responded, as you have believed, so be it done unto you, unto thee. Remember, this is the centurion. He has a sick servant. He goes to Jesus, depending on which book you're reading. Maybe he went to Jesus. Maybe he sent a servant to Jesus. Doesn't matter. He said, look, you don't need to come, Jesus. You don't need to lay hands on anybody. Don't even come to my house. Just speak a word only. Jesus says, as you have believed, so be it done unto you. And remember what we've seen is that in the Greek, the word believe literally means have faith. So Jesus, we could have easily translated, as you have had faith, so be it done to you. Where is your faith? The centurion's faith was that Jesus would speak a word and the servant would be healed. Sure enough, the centurion was in faith. He was convinced. He was persuaded. Uh, remember, Jesus even kind of marvels, says, I've not seen so great faith. No, not in Israel. And sure enough, that's what happened. Jesus met him where his faith was, and the servant was totally and completely healed. Notice also Mark 5.23. So remember, the woman with the issue of blood said, look, if I touch his garment, I'm going to be healed. The centurion said, you speak a word only, my servant will be healed. Mark 5.23, Jairus, the synagogue leader with the sick daughter, he says to Jesus, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and lived. Now, the woman with the issue of blood meets them while they're on the way to Jairus' house. And the guy starts freaking out. Jesus says, don't be afraid, just believe. Again, in the Greek, don't be afraid, just have faith. Be convinced be persuaded that what you've asked me to do, uh, I'm going to do. He says, put your hands on her so she will be healed and live. 
Sure enough, when they get there, the, the, apparently the girl has died, but Jesus takes the girl by the hand and raises her up from the dead. Jairus asked Jesus to put hands on her. That's what he did, and she was healed. You see, anyone who approaches Jesus with faith for healing is going to receive. God's healing power is available on demand. This is the biblical truth. In God's sovereign will, he wants everybody healed, but you have to come through a treatment plan. The Bible gives us certain treatment plans, the prayer of faith, laying hands, casting out demons. Uh, and very interestingly, and beyond the scope today, in some ways, you can kind of dictate how it's going to work. In the name of Jesus, when that man of God lays hands on me, I will be healed. I'm going to lay hands on myself uh, in the power of God, in the name of Jesus, I will be healed. I'm going to lay hands on my child. I'm going to cast that, you know, that, that spirit of sickness off of this person, whatever it is, right? There are a variety of appropriate ways to see the healing power of God flow when you do it in faith. Now, let me just give you this analogy. You see, the water company has already supplied water to your home, but it's not going to open your faucet. The electric company has already supplied electricity to your home, but it's not going to turn on your lights. The healing power of God has been supplied, but God can't and won't do everything for you. You must open the valve to receive. You must flip the switch to receive God's healing power in your body. This is something that Andrew Womack talked about he talks about, but I didn't really grasp the significance of this. And, and this is so wonderful. It's so powerful. The next time for the rest of your life, when you approach God for yourself or for others, you could just picture that, that electrical line straight from the power plant of heaven. Straight from the power plant of heaven. Jehovah Rapha's healing power plant from heaven runs, there's a line straight into your body and that line is fully charged and your your hands are like sockets. You can lay hands on somebody and that power is going to flow into their body. You don't need to ask God to, to, to open the channel. You don't need to ask God to flip the switch. You are fully charged with the healing power of God as, as, a, as a minister in the name of Jesus Christ. And you can see the power of God flow and release healing into somebody else or into yourself. That healing power is constantly available when you use one of the appropriate release methods for that power and you stand in faith that it works. When you pursue a biblical treatment plan in faith, you will be healed every single time. Just like the people who approached Jesus in faith were healed. Now, there's a variety of reasons for this, all complex and fascinating. You kind of, we could probably do a separate study on each of these, but I just want to give you the simple overview. Now, now, why? How can I be so sure that that healing power is available on demand, that it's been totally and completely released to us, that we don't need to ask God 
God, please, you know, release your healing power. God, do you want this person healed? Please, in your will, will you heal me? We don't need to talk like that anymore. We shouldn't even think like that. First of all, God always has been and always will be a healer. He calls himself Jehovah Rapha. Second, God put every sickness and disease on Jesus who suffered for them on the cross so that we can be healed. His body was broken so we can be healed. He bore our sicknesses. He carried our disease and by Jesus stripes we were healed healing to move on healing is actually part of our inheritance remember Jesus told the Syrophoenician woman it's not good to give the children's bread and give it to the little dogs healing is the children's bread healing and in fact all of God's promises are our inheritance we are joint heirs of uh, excuse me we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ and a huge part of our inheritance is all the promises of God they are our inheritance healing belongs to us the children now sickness and disease uh, moving on are part of the curse remember uh, Genesis chapter 3 the fall of man God cursed Adam he said from uh, for dust thou art and unto dust you shall return he talks about the woman having difficulty in childbirth, right? All sickness and disease stem from that original curse and now the operation of the devil in the earth who operates in connection with that curse. And, and you see, when you receive Jesus Christ, you receive the fact that he became sin for us. He literally became the curse on the cross for us, because he was cursed for us, we are now blessed. So every single outworking of the curse should no longer be a part of our lives. And every single outworking of the blessing is ours. We are blessed. It is our inheritance. And the blessing of healing belongs to us now. All of God's healing power has been released to his body through the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. Remember Romans 8, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in your mortal body and that spirit will release, uh, will quicken your mortal body, right? That the spirit of God that raised Jesus' physical body from the dead dwells in you, Romans 8, and that, that his spirit is going to bring life and, and restoration to your physical body. God's healing power will literally flow from our spirit to our bodies and it will work for us and for others. Furthermore, in Christ, we have complete authority over sickness, disease, and unclean spirits, which cause sickness. You see, this is, we could probably go on and on. We could probably think of even more reasons, but that's a good start, right? You never need to wonder if God wants you healed. You never need to question if God will release his power. If you are facing any kind of medical issue, you just need to approach the biblical treatment plan in faith. If you don't understand how God's healing power can be released or the treatment plans, then just study the miracles of Jesus. L listen to my podcast and, and, you know, about the truth about divine healing and look at those verses. Study it for yourself. Uh, talk to some other Christians who believe in healing. Don't spend any, don't waste any time talking about medical matters with Christians who don't believe in healing. That's just going to lead you down the wrong road. It's going to taint your faith or destroy it, perhaps. Uh, anyway, sorry, I just, I just thought of a person that I, you know, I really think their faith for their own healing was completely destroyed, being around the wrong people. What a tragedy. 
Wow, man, how sad. But anyway, I'm digressing. I'm sorry. The, the healing power of God is totally and completely available. And, and the Bible shows us how that healing power can be released, how it can flow. And I want to just illustrate a quick thing here. You know, I remember when, when my wife and I first started listening to Andrew Womack for her healing and God supernaturally brought us this teaching and, and, uh, and I won't go into all the details, but remember in the, the very first sermon I ever heard him preach, he started saying, you have to curse the cancer. You have to curse the tumor. You have to rebuke it. You have to take that authority, right? And I'm sitting there and I couldn't believe it because I understand that I can start confessing the word by Jesus stripes I was healed, by Jesus stripes I was healed, and I can, you know, say, God, please heal me. But you see, that is totally different, and arguably that's not really a biblical treatment plan. What is a treatment plan is for me to use the authority over sickness, disease, and unclean spirits that I've been given in my union with Christ through my receiving of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's the way it's supposed to work. And that's, you know, that was the first key revelation and understanding in my wife's healing uh, journey. Praise the Lord. And uh, she totally and completely healed. So, uh, but anyway, I hope we all have what we've covered today, you know, this general understanding, okay? It's an amazing and wonderful topic that will revolutionize the way you approach God for healing, both for you and for others. That remember, God's healing will is for everybody to be healed. His healing power is totally and completely released. And we just need to use an appropriate treatment method coupled with faith. Again, don't want to belabor the points on faith, but you know, how does faith work? Faith, I am fully persuaded, I am completely convinced that when I do what the Bible says to do, I will receive the results the Bible promises, even if there's a lag in the natural realm. I believe that I'm healed even while I still feel pain. I believe that I'm healed even while the doctor still says I'm dying. I believe that I'm healed despite what's going on in the natural realm. And that's the place of faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We have it by faith, and then the natural realm comes into alignment. When you're standing in faith, believing you've received before you see it, that's when you're in faith, and that's when the power of God is actually flowing. The power flows while you are in faith. That is a very, very key point. So you figure out a treatment plan from the Bible. I don't think God's super strict about any of that. You just got to find one that you want, that you feel is good for you, that you feel your heart feels peace about, and then you stand in faith that it worked. Okay, but actually, I want to keep going and I want to now take this, uh, this, this truth, this understanding about how his healing power is available on demand. And I want to expand it. You see, God's healing power is available on demand. God's power to restore relationships is available on demand. God's wisdom is available on demand. God's power to financially prosper you is available on demand. 
and every other one of God's blessings for your life is also available on demand. And I get it. I get it. Some of you may think, of, man, this is way out there. But it is the truth. In fact, receiving anything from God works the same way. You go to God for what whatever you're believing for. You find that promise in the Bible, right? You find where it says, okay, God has this for my life. Uh, uh, all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of my children. You have a kid issue, that's your verse. It's in, it's in Isaiah. And that verse, that word for peace is shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. Okay, I've got a kid issue, but the Bible says, all my children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of my children. So that's an example. James 1, he who lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and upbraids not. Right? Okay, uh, my children having great peace, that's the will of God for my life. Me having wisdom, that's God's will for my life. By Jesus' stripes I was healed. Healing's God's will for my life. God will make all grace abound towards you. Always have all sufficiency in all things so you can abound to every good work. God, you know, financial prosperity, uh, satisfaction, contentment, generosity, these financial factors, that's God's will for my life. In fact, in Proverbs, it says the blessing of the Lord makes rich without painful toil. All right, look, you know, put that in your pipe and smoke it. If you're one of these anti, you know, prosperity preachers, throw out all the verses that talk about God wanting us financially prospered. Let all the money go to the wicked people of the world so they can use it for every sinful purpose that they and the devil can think up. That, that's exactly the right thing to do. You know, oh, oh, forgive me. Anyway, no, God wants you prospered. God wants the money in the hands of the righteous so that we can expand the kingdom of God, that we can pursue his will in the earth. Anyway, uh, but the point is, so you go to the word of God and you find out what God wants for your life. And, and there are different ways that we could understand the blessings God has for our life, but let's just try to keep it simple. As you read the Bible, it becomes abundantly clear that certain blessings are absolutely God's will for your life. We've kind of covered a few of them already. We could do a separate discussion on each of those. Uh, but look, I just, I believe that, that God has those for your life and I'm sure you could think of more, right? I do believe God has uh, a good Christian fellowship for every single person. I believe that God has, um, uh, you know, a, a meaningful job, not just a job that puts food on the table, but a job that uh, will uh, provide fulfillment and opportunity for you to use your gifts. There's also spiritual assignments that I believe God has for everybody. And I focus on these kinds of things because, I mean, this is really where fulfillment comes in, true Christian joy comes in. Anyway, uh, but so there's a lot of things that it's crystal clear from the Bible that God has for us. Now, another way we could look at this is by understanding what was lost in the Garden of Eden in the fall of man. And and I don't want to really go too far down that road at all. But, you know, we see that, OK, in, in the fall of man and in the curse, sickness, death, poverty, marital relationships, broken relationships. And, I, and I'm, I'm sure we could come up with a host of other things. Right. Those are all under the curse. We're no longer cursed. Now we are blessed. Now the opposite is true for us. What God wants for us is what we see in the Garden of Eden before the fall of man. Be fruitful be uh, and multiply. Have dominion, right? Have dominion. Enjoy. Enjoy everything in the earth that God has put here for us. Um, 
So we look at the Garden of Eden before the fall of man and we get a, actually a really good understanding of what God wants for our lives. But anyway, no matter what, you look through the Bible and you find what God has for your life that maybe you're not experiencing now. That's a good way to look at it. And you see, you never need to wonder again if God has these things for your life. You need to approach these promises, these blessings with the understanding. The Bible says, uh, the verse is escaping me at the moment, but it, you know, it says, all of God's promises are yes and amen in Christ. Why? See, Christ lived the perfect life and he earned the promises. And now we come in to the righteousness of God in Christ and we are entitled to the promises, not because of anything we've done, but because of what he did. It says all the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ to the glory of God by us. The, the idea is that that God wants us all to be experiencing all the promises, all the blessing, because, because when we experience that, it brings glory to God. Not only does uh, God love us and want us to experience all the good things he has for our lives, but God wants us to experience those things so that uh, we can be a light in the world, so that we can... Uh, you know, show the world the love God has for us, the blessings God has for us, and then they want it too, right? And then we introduce them to God, show them how to get blessed, and then so on and so forth, right? So, so we, we now come to these promises where it talks about wisdom. All right. God wants wisdom for me. Wisdom is available on demand. It's available because Christ obeyed the law perfectly because Christ is righteous, because Christ is entitled and I'm in Christ. And these things are also my inheritance. They are Jesus inheritance, blessings from the father, and I'm a joint heir with Christ. And so all of these promises are mine now. So what am I going to do? I'm going to use the appropriate mechanism to receive that promises. To put it another way, to go back to healing, I am going to use God's treatment plan. God has a medical treatment plan. God has a wisdom dissemination plan. God has a financial plan. God has a relationship, a family plan, right? God has ways for you to see all of these mechanisms show up in your life. That's why we need to study the Bible. We need to learn how uh, it works. And then we need to work it and we need to couple it with faith. So, you know, for example, and I don't think we need to belabor the point, right? If you need wisdom, according to James 1.5, you ask God for that wisdom. Uh, you ask in faith. Uh, for the healing, we've gone over the healing plans. Let's talk about money real quick, just to give you kind of an example, right? So, so the Lord has various instructions about how to approach your finances with a, a biblical perspective, and the dominant rule of the kingdom of God's financial system is giving and receiving. Tithing is a very important part of the overall financial plan of God for your lives. It's not an Old Testament rule that, that is, you know, something we don't need to do as Christians. We cannot go deep down this road, but I, I highly recommend tithing. I tithe and I'm, I'm so thankful that I tithe. I mean, oh my gosh. Uh, so thankful for, for God's financial plan for our lives. 
But, but anyway, my point is we tithe, we believe in tithing, and we believe in giving and receiving. And in fact, if you don't give, uh, you're, you know, uh, it doesn't work for you, right? You sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. You don't sow any seed. You don't reap any harvest. That's the way the kingdom of God's economic system work. If you don't start giving, if you don't start participating in God's treatment plan for your financial life, then God's not going to be involved in your financial life. It's just that simple. Look, there's a lot of Christians that don't really involve God in their financial life. And look, maybe they're brilliant. Maybe they make tons of money. Wonderful. Maybe, uh, maybe they struggle, right? Maybe, maybe they have all sorts of problems. Look, there are different people at different financial levels, but that's not what we really want. We want God's financial plan for our life. But so if you're having a financial problem, you approach God's treatment plan for your finances. You learn about that in the word. I had a, uh, you know, I have a podcast I call it Economic Freedom and God's Financial System. Highly encourage you to, to check that out. But so you say, okay, all right, so now I'm going to give. I'm going to step into God's treatment plan for my finances and I'm going to give. Look, guys, I'm not trying to get your money. I, I've never made a dime off this podcast. Uh, give, give wherever you feel the Lord leads you to give, right? That's the key. But this is the way it works. If you refuse to step into sowing, you will not step into reaping. I don't mean to be harsh. It's just the way it is. But let's say you're beyond that. Say, okay, okay, I get it. I get it. Sowing and reaping. That's how it works. I'm going to start sowing. I'm going to start tithing. So now what you want to do is you want to couple that with faith. So, all right. So you take your, let's just say you take your, your check. Let's say you're going to give a hundred bucks to your church, whatever. All right, Father God, I come before you right now. Your word says that if I sow bountifully, I will reap bountifully. Your word says uh, that you make all grace abound towards me, and I always have all sufficiency in all things, so I abound to good, every good work. Right now, Father God, I sow this seed in faith. I sow this seed. I love you. I love your kingdom. I trust you. But God, right now, I need to step into the kingdom of God's financial system. I need to step into the treatment plan. I'm planting the seed in the ground right now. This is a hundred dollar seed. And Father, I, I, your word says, give and it shall be given unto me. Your word says, uh, if you sow, you will reap. So Father God, I'm sowing the seed and I'm believing right now in Jesus name that I'm going to reap a harvest. And then, you know, chances are you're not going to get a harvest instantly. It might be some time, but you stay in faith, right? So when the next time the big bill comes and you're scared, no, in Jesus' name, I sow bountifully and I reap bountifully. You look at your bank account, it looks like you're broke. No, the Lord supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus in Jesus' name. You see, you're walking by faith, not by sight. You're standing in faith even when the natural circumstances are yelling at you that that treatment plan didn't work, that $100, uh, you threw that away. It doesn't work like that. God doesn't want you blessed. God wants those other people blessed, but he wants you poor. No, no, that's not biblical at all. He wants everybody blessed. He wants everybody financial prosper. Every He wants the money in the hands of all the Christians. That's the biblical truth. So you stand in faith, even when the natural situations in the, the world around you may not be lining up, but you're in faith for that treatment plan. You're in faith that even though your kid might be acting crazy, no, the Lord says, all my children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of my children. Great is the peace of my baby. Great is the peace of my baby. Great is the peace of my baby. Even when they're acting crazy, I'm standing in faith and I'm not walking by sight. And you know what? While I'm in faith, the power's flowing. The power of God is flowing. The on-demand 
power of God for my financial situation, for my medical situation, for my family situation, whatever it may be. I've stepped in faith. I'm doing the treatment plan and the power is flowing. These blessings that I'm seeking, they are God's will for my life. In God's sovereign will, he put these blessings aside for me, these promises aside for us. And now they are my inheritance. And in God's sovereign will, he created a plan for me to get them by faith. And he wants us to have every one of them in our lives. If you open the faucet, you are going to get water. If you flip the switch, you are going to get power. If you do not, you will not. When you love others in faith, you are going to have good relationships. When you sow in faith, you will reap. When you pursue healing in faith from the God who heals, you will get healed. When you ask God for wisdom in faith, you are going to get wisdom. All of this, all of God's promise, it's available on demand when you go after it in faith. So I know some of you are thinking, as I am, all right, what should I be going after? What should I be pursuing? The Bible has so many blessings and so many promises that I'm not seeing like I should be seeing in my life. That ends today. And I tell you, you know what I do? I grab the dog, I I leash her up. And I start walking and I say, all right, Lord, what should I be praying about? And I try to do, I mean, look, I'm not perfect. You know, I'm, I'm just doing my best. God, what should I be praying about? Maybe I need to be praying about my kids. Maybe I need to be praying about my ministry situation, my work situation. I start praying over those promises, praying over those blessings. Believe I receive. Then you get a bad report in one of these areas of your life. No, I cast that down in Jesus' name. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Great is the peace of my children. God supplies all my needs. By Jesus' stripes, I was healed. Right? No matter what happens, I stay in faith. And look, look, sometimes it's quick. Sometimes it's not so quick. But you stay in faith. You trust God. And the manifestation of that promise is going to show up in every area of your life. God's treatment plan will not fail. God wants all of these blessings in your life. The treatment plan has been fully released. It's been put in our hands by the word of God. And if you will do that treatment plan in these areas of your life in faith, you are going to receive the treatment. It's going to work. Look, there is no more question as to how to make God act or how to prompt God to do something. It's not even correct to pray that, you know, God would give you these blessings, that you would pray that God would give you these blessings or pray that God would move on your behalf. No, these things are already released. These blessings are already released. You don't need to pray like that anymore. God, if you would just come down and look on my affliction and please release some money into my bank account, please help my kid. No, that's not exactly how it works. I'm not saying we don't pray. You let the Holy Spirit lead you in your prayer life. But what I'm saying is you come to God on the basis of the promises we see in the word. And now we pursue them according to how the Bible tells us to pursue them in faith, knowing that it's going to show up. So study God's word. Learn what he has for your life. Look at what the Bible says, how to receive it. This is not about earning from God. This is not about obtaining things because you're so good or you're so perfect. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about earning from God by your works. 
we are talking about pursuing God's blessing according to the kingdom of God's system. Different issues there. You are sowing the right seeds to produce the right harvest. When you do this in faith, when you sow these seeds in faith, operating in the kingdom of God's system in faith, you are going to get what God's promised, guaranteed. Now, look, I think this topic is a bit complicated. I think it time, takes a little time to work this into your understanding. But, but the next time you want something that you would pray for, whatever it is, you see something in your life that you don't like and you think, man, I should pray about that. That's really the way you should think anytime you see something in your life that you don't like. But just keep it simple. Next time you see something you don't like and you're going to pray about it, first think, what does the Bible say about that? Am I doing what the Bible says I should do? If I'm having a problem, have I been giving? Have I tithed? You know, if I'm having a financial problem, if I'm having... You know, a problem in my marriage? Have I been loving my wife the way that uh, that I should according to the Bible with that sacrificial agape love? What am I doing, right? Am I am I doing the treatment plan? So then I, I say, okay, God, you know what? Maybe I haven't done it quite right, but I recommit to your treatment plan in this area of my life today. I'm going to go check out the verses again, make sure I have a fresh knowledge of whatever this area might be, a fresh knowledge of your treatment plan in this area. I'm going to Google it. I'm going to get some verses. Maybe I'm going to read a book here or there. And then I'm going to stand in faith that when I do what the Word tells me to do, I'm going to have the blessing your Word tells me you want me to have because it's already released. The power is already there and I can start receiving this right now if I approach your methods to receive it in faith. Look, when we follow these methods in faith and confidence that they will work, we will receive all that God has for us every single time. Let God be true, though everybody else is a liar. Look, I know there are people that don't think it works this way. No, there are people that say, you know, sometimes God does this, sometimes God does that, and you just can never know. Look, guys, I'm sorry. I hate to be the one to tell you, but I'm glad that I can. I'm glad that somebody's going to get this. That's not the way it works. God has all of these blessings for all of his children right now, and they are available to you. Guys, I love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Talk to you again soon.